You are listening to episode number 14 of The Green Elephant in the Room. Welcome to The Green Elephant in the Room, conversations about the climate and environment. Now here's your host, Rico. Why are we obsessed with gold? This luminous metal has motivated entire societies, determined the fate of kings and emperors, provoked horrible acts by one people against another, and driven men to endure intense hardships in the hopes of finding instant wealth. Considered the most beautiful of all metals, gold has come to be revered around the globe throughout history. Gold's most mysterious attribute is within the metal itself. It is so soft and malleable that you can shape it in any way you wish. Even the most primitive of people were able to create beautiful objects out of gold. In our own society, we make our most significant objects, wedding rings, Olympic medals, Oscars, money, religious art from this hot blonde metal. No other substance holds a more visible and prominent place in our society. We are going to do a deep dig down on how all this gold comes to us, but first, let's talk about some truly remarkable properties that no other metal has. Gold is the most ductile of all metals which means you can make an incredibly thin wire from it. Amazingly, this means that with just 20 ounces of gold, or a little over 500 grams, you can make a gold wire thinner than a human hair long enough to go around the earth. Gold is a very soft metal, being a little over a 2 on a hardness scale of 10, which is one of the factors giving gold its tremendous malleability meaning it can be pounded, twisted, rolled, and or squeezed into all kinds of different shapes without breaking apart. Because of this malleability, it can be beaten into thinner sheets than any other metal. Without any difficulty, gold can be pounded to a thickness of 0.1 micron, or 1 one-thousandth of the thickness of a sheet of paper. It is thin enough to be transparent and see light through it. Amazingly, in one experiment, gold was pressed to the thickness of 2,000 gold atoms. Gold doesn't tarnish or rust. It never loses its beautiful shine and luster. Because of this, you can create an elaborate golden jaguar and be confident that 1,000 years later it can be found in a museum display case still in pristine condition. That's the other secret of gold's success as a currency. Gold is unbelievably beautiful. You might be surprised just how little gold there is in the world. If you were to collect together every earring, every gold coin, the tiny traces of gold in every computer chip, every pre-Columbian statuette, every wedding ring, and melt it down, it is estimated that you would be left with just one 20-meter cube. That's about 60 feet on each side. Considering everything, that is not much. 
I have a nice graphic display of all the gold in the world on my website. Gold is valuable in electronics because it is an excellent conductor of electricity and does not rust or tarnish like many other metals. With entire circuits and computer chips the size of a pinhead, gold is in great demand by the electronics industry. Most of the amounts are very tiny, with about $2 worth in each mobile or cell phone. With an estimated 7 billion phones worldwide, that adds up to 350 tons of gold contained in these devices. Very few are currently recycled. Although the amount of gold is small in each device, their enormous numbers translates to a lot of unrecycled gold. There are some medicinal uses of gold. Because it is non-toxic, many people have gold fillings or crowns. I even have a couple myself. The primary use of gold by us consumers is for jewelry. Pure gold is too soft and malleable to be practical for jewelry. So it is made up of many different gold alloys. This business is especially profitable as gold jewelry normally sells for four times more than the actual value of the gold it contains. The final thing we use this precious metal for, believe it or not, is to eat it. From chicken wings to chocolate, dusting food with gold is the latest edible trend to be embraced by chefs and restaurants around the globe. In Japan, gold Kit Kat bars have gotten the Midas touch. And in New York, a restaurant is offering a pizza topped with gold leaf for $2,000, with each bite costing around $50. Although these dishes were presumably meant to be eaten, the lavish use of gold is primarily a blatant display of wealth and power, and, as you will learn, a tragic waste. By far, the greatest percentage of the world's gold supply is currently not in circulation because it sits in bank vaults. Today, many governments, institutions, and individuals hold investments of gold in the form of bullion, and the majority of the world's gold supply is sitting in underground vaults. This quote, credited to Warren Buffett, sums it up nicely. He says, gold gets dug out of the ground in Africa or someplace then we melt it down, dig another hole, bury it again, and pay people to stand around guarding it. It has no utility. So think about that. Except for what we use for medical, electronics, and jewelry, the vast majority of the world's gold supply is locked up in vaults all over the world. There's just one problem with humanity's continued love affair with gold, getting it out of the ground. Most forms of gold mining involve moving massive amounts of soil and rock with staggering environmental consequences. We dig it up out of one hole and bury it in another. I wish I could spin as wonderful a tale as Rumpelstiltskin's daughter could spin straw into gold. But the modern-day story of what it takes to get that gold ring onto your finger needs to be addressed. Later, we will discuss alternatives to dirty gold.
there has always been an element of madness to Gold's allure. The days of the lone miner with his mule using a pickaxe or a pan to find large gold nuggets or rich veins of gold are long over. Much of the gold left to be mined today is microscopic and is being taken from the earth at enormous environmental cost, often in some of the poorest corners of the world. And unlike past gold manias, from the time of the pharaohs to the 49ers, this one has little to do with propping up empires. It is almost all about the soaring demand for jewelry, which consumes 80% or more of the gold mined today for consumer use. One of the mining methods used today is called artisanal or small-scale mining. I know, artisanal sounds kind of cool, like artisanal beer or artisanal pickles. Unfortunately, there is nothing small-scale about the impact of this destructive practice. The miners use mercury, a liquid metal which attracts the tiny flakes of gold to it. Mercury is very toxic and it wrecks havoc on miners' health, not to mention the health of the planet. For every gram of gold produced, artisanal gold miners release about two grams of mercury into the environment. Today, the world's 10 to 15 million artisanal gold miners release about 1,000 tons of mercury into the natural world each year, or 35% of all the man-made mercury pollution. Rising gold prices have made it profitable to extract low-grade deposits lying beneath protected areas like the Amazon and other South American and African forests. As gold prices go up, forests come down. The mercury is poisoning plants, animals, fish, and people. And sadly, much of the destruction is occurring in environmentally protected areas. Then we have the most impactful method of extracting gold ore, industrial open-pit mining. Two-thirds of newly mined gold is taken from open-pit mines, which are enormous holes in the ground created by mining companies that find it cheaper to blast enormous craters in the earth rather than construct and maintain underground mines. For gold to be cheap and easy to mine, that means cyanide. To meet the rising demand, a new kind of massive industrial method of mining had to be developed. It's called cyanide heap leaching. Today, actual mountains are blasted apart and the gold-bearing ore is carted off in trucks the size of houses. Consider a ring. For that half ounce, or 15 grams of gold, miners dig up and haul away 30 tons of rock to get at the tiny flecks of gold. But to get at that gold-bearing ore, many more tons of earth have to be moved, then left as waste. Before they are through, miners at some of the largest mines move a half a million tons of earth a day and pile it in mounds that can be the size of the Great Pyramids. To get at those minuscule specks of gold, these new man-made mountains are lined with irrigation hoses that silently trickle millions of gallons of cyanide solution over the rocks for years. The cyanide dissolves the gold so it can be separated and smelted. Cyanide is the most cost-effective way to retrieve microscopic bits of invisible gold. Profit margins are too thin and the gold left in the world too scarce to mine it any other way. 
Cyanide is so toxic that a rice grain size drop can be fatal to humans. These giant mining companies are mining in ways that would never be tolerated in wealthier nations, such as dumping tons of waste into rivers, bays, and oceans. People who live closest to the mine say they see few of the benefits of mining and bear too much of its burden. The mining of gold generates more waste per ounce than any other mined metal. Yet it has few industrial uses. Remember, a little medical, a little electronic, and a lot of jewelry, with the majority locked up in underground vaults. Considering how much we lust after gold, it has very little functionality. China and India are the two biggest consumers of gold and are driving global demand. India is the world's largest consumer of gold by far. It is used to gift newlyweds, newborns, and people celebrating their birthdays. Indians are obsessed with the status that gold brings, but Indian millennials are changing that. I have some information on my webpage. The lust for gold today is a very dirty business. The first large-scale open-pit cyanide operation in the United States opened in Montana in 1979. Within a couple of years, it had eight separate cyanide spills contaminating nearly every river and stream drainage in the area. This gold mining operation was an environmental catastrophe, and is one of the most toxic sites in the country, and to this day is still polluting the region. The mining company went bankrupt, and the citizens of the state were left with a cleanup liability of tens of millions of dollars. In fact, it was so bad the voters of Montana approved the nation's first statewide ban on cyanide mining, stopping any new gold projects. Not just gold mining, but mining in general is a filthy and immensely destructive business. And with the global population expected to reach nine billion by 2050, demand for metals, oil, coal, natural gas, and other mineral commodities like platinum, silver, and diamonds will only continue to grow. The scars and the environmental impact of open pit mining on this scale endure for thousands of years. For example, Roman mining sites in England are still polluting rivers from acid mine drainage more than 2,000 years later. Some metal mines, including gold mines, have become the near equivalent of nuclear waste dumps that must be managed permanently. Hard rock mining generates more toxic waste than any other industry in the United States. Some of these mines are on a scale that is mind-boggling and create such huge scars on the Earth that they can be seen from space. I have some startling pictures on my website. I think you will agree with me when I say that you wouldn't want to wear a wedding ring or any piece of jewelry made with gold. That has destroyed communities and ecosystems, but that is what you're doing. Whether you shop at Tiffany's or the nation's largest retailer of gold jewelry, Walmart, you could go to a pawn shop for used jewelry, 
but they are not going to have the selection of, say, uh, Zales. There are companies that offer recycled gold, but it could be dirty or conflict gold because we really don't know where it came from. In theory, we could eliminate all mining as of today by strictly using recycled gold. But the problem is, mining takes place regardless of how much recycled gold goes into wedding rings. It is simply too valuable and it will always be worth somebody's effort to mine it. Gold is an investment hedge. When the stock market is shaky or economics seem on the verge of recession, people flock to gold. Gold is like currency. Its value rises or falls based on our economic climate not on how many wedding rings a company may or may not sell. The only true ethical jewelry and investments you could buy with confidence is fair trade gold. Workers in fair trade certified gold mines receive guaranteed fair trade minimum prices for their gold. The fair trade gold standard includes strict requirements on working conditions, health and safety, handling chemicals, women's rights, child labor, and protection of the environment. Obviously, gold is a very desirable object, but I am afraid most people do not have the slightest idea of what it takes to get those few grams of gold clawed out of the ground and onto your finger. Yes, gold jewelry is an ancient tradition, but that doesn't mean new traditions can't be forged. If we are going to continue doing the things that we feel essential for daily life, driving, flying, eating meat, which all have a major toll on the planet, you would think that giving up this excessive luxury is the least we could do. Let me be clear, gold used in medicine, electronics, and some building applications consume comparatively little and have their benefits. The massive amounts involved in jewelry and even the much bigger quantities that are torn out of the earth that go into bullion just to be stored in vaults underground are, well, shameful. Considering the enormous impacts of extracting raw gold from the earth, I think we could run our lives and societies with much less gold mining. The more you know, the less gold glows. And now it's time for a little hope. There may be hope for the Republicans. In his first week in office, Florida's new Republican governor, Ron DeSantis, surprised everyone and has made the environment a top priority for his state. DeSantis signed an executive order to tackle the many environmental problems facing the state from toxic algae to sea level rise to Everglades degradation. He also asked for the resignation of all the board members of Florida's most powerful water management district, which has come under fire for leasing to the sugar industry parts of the Everglades needed for restoration. There are precedents for this. Former President Richard Nixon was a lifelong commie fighter. So when he made overtures to communist China and was the first president to visit there, it wasn't as controversial as if a more liberal president would have attempted those overtures. When Democratic President Bill Clinton, who held traditional liberal views on welfare, pushed for a major welfare reform, his party was much more willing to accept it. In doing this, DeSantis immediately cleared the incredibly low bar of doing better than Rick Scott, 
the former climate change denying governor. It's bold to see recommendations of this magnitude coming just two days after the new governor was inaugurated. There are some questions about where the funding will come from and other details of the plan, but environmental groups range from cautiously optimistic to downright excitement over Florida's future. This is big news given that Florida has no shortage of water crises. Toxic algae has contaminated Lake Okeechobee as well as both coasts of Florida recently. Fresh water is being kept out of the Everglades because of industrial farming disrupting one of the most unique ecological systems on the planet. And sea level rise is causing salt water to creep into aquifers, further messing up the Everglades. Maybe this is not surprising that a Republican or any governor would not address these issues. Florida is the third largest state in the Union, and scientists say its growing population faces major risks from the effects of climate change, including extreme heat, drought, and more potent hurricanes. You have to give DeSantis credit for attempting this. Protecting the state's environment is popular with all Floridians, so doing what is right is a no-brainer. So, it could be the point that Florida is prone to be particularly impacted by our changing environment. The fact that any Republican politician is listening is promising, and with any luck, could be contagious. And that was a little hope. Thanks for listening to The Green Elephant. Visit us on our website, bit.ly slash green elephant in the room. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash green elephant in the room, where you will find valuable information and links to everything that was addressed on today's show and more. Tune in, subscribe, Leave a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. The Green Elephant in the Room. Conversations about the climate and environment. On the next episode of The Green Elephant, we are going to look at mass extinction. Yes, it's a profound and touching topic that is sad, but it also can be motivating. While it is true that the extinction rates are much higher than they have been for tens of millions of years, This does not have to be happening, and we can stop it. Animals are not just beings out there. They are embedded in our very existence at every measure and in every environment. An understanding of the history of the human-animal relationship is key to the preservation of the natural world.